We just thank you for this day. We thank for each person that's here. We ask that you guide, lead, and, 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 and help us to see what you'd have us to see through this through this section and that, that just how much you love us and care for us, Lord, and that your grace and mercy are so vitally important to us. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Psalm 86. We're going to read the whole psalm again, then we'll be starting on verse... 68, not 86. All right, we'll go to... 68 sounds like a good one to get to since that's the one I studied. <laughs> <laughs> good thing, good thing I'm not perfect. <laughs> let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let them that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad, let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto the Lord, sing praises to his name, extol him that rides on the heaven by his name, by his name Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a judge of the widows, and the God of his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in families, he brings out those which are bound with, with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. O God, when you went forth before your people, when you did march them through the wilderness, Selah, the earth shook, the heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You, O Lord, did send plentiful rain, whereby you did confirm your inheritance when it was weary. Your congregation has dwelt therein. You, O Lord, have prepared your, for your goodness for the poor. The Lord give the word. Great was the company of, whose, of those that publish it. Kings and armies did flee peace, and she was tarried at home, divided the spoil. Though ye have leaned against the pots, let, yet shall you be as the wings of a dove, covered with silver and her wing feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scatters kings in it, it was white as the snow of Salem. The hill of God was as the hill of Bashan, and the hill as the hill of Bashan. Why leap you, ye high hills? This is the hill which God desires to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. And the Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts of men, for, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the Lord of our salvation, Selah. He is our God. He is our God. Is the He that is our God is the God of salvation, and unto God the Lord belongeth the issues from death. But God shall wound the head of his enemies, and the hairy scalp of the of such as one as goeth on still in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan, I will I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea, that thy foot may be dipped in the blood of your enemies and the tongue of the dogs in the same. They have seen the goings, O God, even the goings of my God, my King in the sanctuary. The singers went before the players on instruments, followed after. Among, among them were the damsels playing the timbrels. Bless you, the God of the congregation, even the Lord from the fountain of Israel. There is little Benjamin with his ruler, the princes of Judah and their council, the princes of Zebulun and the prince of Nephtali, that your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen, O God, that which you have brought from us. Blessed, because of your temple at Jerusalem, shall kings bring presents unto you. 
rebuked the company of spearmen and, and the multitude of the bulls with the calves of the people till everyone submit himself. With pieces of silver scatter you the people that delight in war. Princes shall come out of Egypt, Ethiopia shall soon stretch forth her hand unto God. Sing unto God, you kings of the earth. You, oh, sing praises unto the Lord, Selah. To him that rides on the heavens of heavens which were of old, lo, he does send out his voice and that of the mighty voice. Ascribe ye strength unto God, his excellence is over Israel and his strength is in the clouds. O God, you are terrible out of your holy place. The God of Israel is he that gives strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. All right, so we're going to come back to verse 14, which is where we left off. When the Almighty scatters kings in it, it is white as the snow on Salaam. And this is a, a, a Salaam is a mountain or hill near Shechem, which is over by the, by the uh, Sea of Galilee. Uh, it's very, very familiar probably. But he says, when God scatters the kings, they are as this tall mountain with snow on it. Remember, I remember when you talked about when they would say snow, whiter than snow. Whiter than snow, yep. <coughs> and God is saying, he, he scatters. You know, when, we, when we're facing enemies, God will come and deliver us. We don't have to try to deliver ourselves. We don't have to worry about what's going on because God will be the defense. And when we really get hold of that, we don't have to worry about anything because God is our defender. You know, people attack us. We say, okay, God, you take care of them. People are aggressive with us. We, we back off. You know, we don't try to get right back in their face, but we just let God, we back off, let God defend. And God will scatter even kings. And this is David speaking, you know, David's adversaries were other kings, other nations. He says, when God moves, he scatters the kings and delivers. The hill of God is as the hill of Bashan, the high hill as of the hill of Bashan. Now, Bashan was a very fertile land and had a hill in it. So we want to be able to say that God says... The hill of God. Now, what is the hill of God? Does anybody know what they refer when that phrase is used? What they're referring to? Zion. Zion, Jerusalem. The hill of God, where He sits. So it says, the hill of God is as the hill of Bashan, a high hill as the high of Bashan. So He's saying, even though Bashan is considered fertile and great, God's hill is is better. Okay, and the Jews have always been that way. Jerusalem is the number one place to be. Mount Zion, uh, the that whole mountain range is is where he wants to, where they say is special. Mount Calvary is up there. It is the Mount Moriah is also a name for it, where Abraham was ready to offer Isaac, which they believe is the same Mount Calvary that Jesus died on. Uh, and he's saying, God's hill is special. And you think about this, the way God looks at this, his son died on that mountain for the purchase of all people in all the world. We're not talking about Temple Mount, are we? Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah, Mount Zion, Temple Mount, Mount, Mount Moriah, Mount Calvary. Jesus was crucified up next to where the temple was? Up on that hill, up on, higher up on that hill, yes. Don't they ever call it Skull Hill, too? Golgotha, the, the hill, Gotha, the, yeah. the mountain of the skull. Yeah. This is a very special place for God because this is where he bought 
the people back. So it is a special place to him. And it's always been a special place to him. And David's recognizing it special. He doesn't understand fully why it's special. He just knows that it is special. And it says, Why leap you, you, you high hills? This is the hill which God desires to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. It says, All you other hills, <laughs> it's kind of poetic on this, but all you other hills, you want God to dwell on you, but this is where God has chosen. You know, you try to make yourselves look good, you try to jump up and down and get his attention, but he's already chosen Mount Zion. He's chosen that mountain to be his, be his, his dwelling place. And this is poetic, because we know the hills don't jump up and down, but David is saying, you know, you all, uh, the world wants, the, the rest of the world wants this, you know, uh, special place. And if there's an earthquake, they, your earthquake, they jump uh, up and down. I was thinking that too. Yes, this is true. Maybe an earthquake can make them rattle and jump up well, and down. When they say uh, hills and trees clap their hands. It's poetic in most things. Okay. Jesus did say, though, to the, the, to the Pharisees when they said, stop these people from praising you when he was going, entering into Jerusalem. He says if they were silent, the very rocks would praise, praise him. And... So there may be some sense in which nature can praise God. Uh, if, every, if all of humans were totally dead silent and wouldn't praise God, it, it, the scriptures seem to make it sound like the, that the very nature would praise God because he deserves that praise. Uh, so, yes, it's poetic. Yes, it's poetic. Yes, it's uh, not something that really happens, but... <laughs> but by the same token, when Jesus told them that you know if, they were, if the people were silent, the very rocks would praise His name, says that He's all powerful. He's going to get His praise one way or the other. So, verse seventeen: the chariots of God were twenty thousand, even even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. Now, when we think about this, 20,000 chariots, that would be quite an army of chariots. And, uh, and that's why it's picked that large, 20,000, because no army really had 20,000 chariots. So that, that would be the equivalent of 20,000 tanks coming across the same cost in battle at you. But he says, thousands of angels, and the Lord is among them. Uh, among them, as in Sinai. It is a whole, in the holy place. God, when he is present, has his angels. And this is hard for us to imagine, the angels. If you think back into Isaiah 6, Isaiah saw God high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and he talked about the angels all around worshiping him, the seraphim flying back and forth above him, crying, holy, holy, holy. God has the angels to worship him. And this is why it's kind of hard sometimes for us to try to figure out, why did God make man? He had the angels to worship, that were worshiping him. You know, what does he get out of creating man? And we don't know what that value is. We really don't. He thought we were valuable enough for his son to die. So there's some value in humans as far as God's concerned. But we look at ourselves and say, man, there's nothing. Nothing. Nothing to offer God. I have nothing to offer God except by, to be crucified and let him live through me. And yet... He sent his son to die for us. To me, this is just a mind-boggling concept. God loves us enough that he died for us, created us knowing he was going to have to die for us, 
And we offer him nothing that we can tell other than our very soul, which he gave us in the first place. Well, I try to do, I could say, um, I, I just try to, not try to do what he wants me to do. Mm -hmm. And like what, Yep. And, Verse 18, you have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive, you have received gifts of men, yea, for your righteousness, uh, for the rebellious also, the Lord God might dwell among them. This is, a, this is a picture of Jesus. You have ascended on high. The Son of God has ascended on high. He has led captivity captive. Yeah. You realize the power of that statement, captivity has been led captive by the God. Amen. Okay, it has no power to captivate people. It has no, captivity has no power to entrap somebody and put them unless God puts them in their place, puts them in that place. You know, very powerful. Jesus died to pay for sin, to pay for disease, to pay for all that went wrong because of the fall of man. And, you know, we think about what happened at the fall of man. Death started. Death. He immediately died spiritually, and physical death started. And sin? Because of sin. And diseases, and thorns, and thistles. The earth was condemned because it was not going to give its great give forth all of its uh, fruitfulness. The earth itself was condemned because of man's sin. They had a choice to be good always and never sin. But once they started bearing children, we no longer have that choice. Yeah. We, are, we come into this world. Sin. With all that pollution and all that, all that disease and the sin. And you know, we think, usually when we just think about what we lost, we think about you know, the relationship with God, but you think about how the world has suffered. Yep. Not just mankind. Everything, I know it. Everything in the world. Adam and Eve made a sin, but then like you say, it, the whole world paid for it. It is still paying for it. And still paying for it and will be paying for it until the end. the end when God totally destroys everything and recreates everything. That's how bad it has been destroyed. Yeah. And we we don't usually think about that in its full complex. We think about having lost and having sinned, but we don't think about the pain that the world has been put under. And even in a way, even if we, when, when I do sin, it's really making it worse for the world, too. Yeah. I, I never thought of it that way. It's just one more sin yeah, added I mean, upon the world. <laughs> yeah. And so we look at this, and he says, You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts for men. Pastor, when he talks in the Bible about uh, making a man desolate. Desolate? Yeah. Is, is that, is he making the desert? Basically. Or the, the things that, is that the desert? Some of it. Some of it. I mean, desert has plenty of beauty and growth, but if you think about some of, but if you think of something like uh, the Sahara Desert, which very little, if anything, grows in it, but desolate can also mean total wasteland. You know, it's, it's yeah. not farmed, it's not, it's just completely wasted land, which we don't see very much of in our, in our day and age, but 
Uh, when he says it's desolate, nobody's growing anything. It, it can it can mean it can mean totally destroyed, but it can also mean uh, if you look at if you're into some of these uh, historical things and you see these Aztec cities that are so overtaken by the jungle that you could walk right past the city and not even realize that there's anything man-made into it unless you walk right into the wall. And then all of a sudden you see what total desolation is. Okay, yes, the buildings are still there, but you couldn't grow crops there. You wouldn't want to live in it. You, would, you know, to gain it back, you would have to fight the jungle to get it back. Or could it be that too, like whenever you find a deserted ghost town? That's ghost town is that same yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Uh, though most of those could still grow things if you just planted and watered. Uh, but yes, it's that idea. It's overtaken. It's been destroyed. Nobody lives there. Nobody really wants to live there because of how bad it's gone downhill. Snow, something. Could be snow in, you know, in the cold weather. It could be caused by snow. And it says, you have received gifts, and I love this, for men. Not from men or uh, by men, but for men. And you think about how God talks about us. He gives us all his benefits. He greatly loads us down with benefits. He gives us gifts. He gives us life. He gives us peace. He got gifts for people. The, he's, those that he's taken into his possession. And we think about that. Now, I love, and I've said this over and over, and I just, I love God's plan. He says, I just want your flesh crucified, I'll, and I'll work through you, and I'm going to give you the gifts. I'm going to give you the benefits. And he does that to us. And we need to really comprehend that everything I have is because of God's grace. Not because I've earned anything. And if I think I've earned anything, I'm deceiving myself. Mm -hmm. And it's very critical. But isn't that like we really didn't earn, but didn't you say that he knows what, we're gonna, what kind of sins we're going to be doing way ahead? And I think like if he knows that, couldn't he tell us that? So we wouldn't be doing it. I'm just saying. Everything that comes our way, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There has no temptation overtaken us, but such is common demand. But God is faithful to provide a way of escape. If we're, being if we're training our mind to consider it, if we're living in him, if we're following him, then when the, when the temptation comes, we see the escape route. That is so cool, because the Four or five years ago, I had this big, big problem. And that's the one verse I always did remember and say whenever I had to go to this place because I had to do something. And now I understand it when you say that. Yes, he will God. always prepare you. He will always prepare you. He will give us the grace. And this is why I say this is an exciting time to live in because I believe we're at the end times. Which, but there's going to be great tribulation coming our way and great pressure coming our way. But... God's also going to give us the grace to go through and the preparation to go through what he asks us to I go through. That me, that was just the time when I was getting out of this bad relationship. And I kept saying that verse because I did not want to fall back into it. Mm -hmm. and but it God always gives us the way out. Always. He gives us the strength. And, I'm, and one of the, and I've shared with you all, and it's one of the stories I love out of Fox's Book of Martyrs where the father and son are getting ready to be burnt to the stake and the father's faith starts to waver. And he goes to his, you know, he tells his son to go, and I just don't know about this. And, and the son says, well, whoever goes on there, when they see God, they can raise their hands and praise God. 
And because the son's faith was stronger, the son got to go first, and he was able to give the example to his dad that, yes, God is there. I saw him. I'm praising him. And the father's strength, uh, faith was strengthened so he could go out and give his life for him. In for our uh, study, daily study, it talks about a third year as a hireling. Is that talking about the tribulation? The third? Our, it, it says the third year as a hireling. Like a, you hire somebody to work? Uh, I'd have to look exactly. What verse are you looking, thinking of? I think it's the, well, which verse is that? I'm not sure. It was this morning. Yeah, it was either in the 20th, 19th or the 20th. Well, the hireling means somebody that is it's, not really usually cares about what they're guarding. It refers to usually in the Bible, the shepherd that's hired, the hired hand who doesn't care whether the sheep die or not, you know, because they're not his sheep. Uh, and it talks about that being the false shepherds, the false pastors who come in and brutalize the, the body of you know the body of Christ because they don't care because they're not they don't think of them as their sheep you know that they're they're just trying to get what they can out of them. On what you're referring to from the study, I don't know. Uh, I'd have to. We'll get the book out. Show me after after we're done, and I'll I'll be able to look more into that. Uh, but God is saying, I've got gifts for you. And then he goes, and I love this, Yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord might dwell among them. His gifts, his love, is not just for those of us that accept it. It's for everybody. This is why the gospel is so important for us to give out to others. Jesus did not just die for the sins of those that were going to accept him as their Lord and Savior. He died for the sins of the whole world. Okay? And he's holding gifts out, the gift of salvation out to the entire world to accept. And he wants them to accept. And I can tell you the, most, the thing that's going to break his heart is when people have not accepted that gift, they stand before God in their own righteousness and say, well, let us in. We're good people. And he's saying, you may be good people, but you're not perfect people. And he's going to send them to hell for eternity and there'll be tears in his eyes. But can you imagine the tears in Jesus' eyes? He died for their sins. He took their sins and diseases upon him and they're going to be sent to hell having rejected him and everything they did. The father will have tears in his eyes because you know he sent his son. That was quite a precious thing. But Jesus is going to go, I gave my life for you. I gave you everything. I couldn't give you anything more and you've rejected it. Even for the rebellious, God's hand is out with a gift, saying, accept it, accept it. And yet we know just by Jesus' own word, many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I? And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And this is going to be a sad thing because God is hold, you know, holding out that gift and saying it's for you. Just accept it. And we've really got to understand that. We need to grab hold of that so that we take that same urgency to people. Jesus paid a great price for their soul. He is not looking for anybody to go to hell. And we need to be able to give that gospel message out to people, share that message, and say, God loves you. He loves you. And I've said it over and over. For each one in this church, 
does everybody in your family, has they heard the message? It doesn't mean every single time you have to go give them the message, but have every single member of your family heard this message. I think my mother's getting tired of hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> I work on her every morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and we want to be careful that we don't overdo it and make them mad at us. But, but the key to this is, you know, is there somebody in your family that has not heard this message? And if you can't tell your family, you know, you're basically telling them, I want you to go to hell. That's pretty bad to, to have that attitude that you're, you're not going to tell somebody in your family. Because I can tell you, no matter how bad you may think uh, a brother or a sister or an uncle or an aunt or, or the third cousin eight times removed is, <laughs> You really don't want them going to hell. No. My reason I'm late, my brother-in-law called me, and his sister's house for this morning. And he said, Loretta, she's got more faith than anybody I ever saw in my life, which she is a very Christian lady. He said, they got her, daughter, her granddaughter out of the house. She's in the hospital, but I think it's all right. But he said, she said, well, my washing machine was leaking. I was going to have to get it fixed or a new one, and now I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, my stove needed fixing. The top was all worn out or something. She said, now I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and he said, I've never seen anyone so calm as she, and have faith as she had. Mm -hmm. But that is the gift that God can give us. If, if stuff just means that it's stuff. But then that's great because then now she's saying that and they will think twice now. Now it gives them an option. Yeah. yeah. But she was thinking, well, all this needed done. I don't know how I was going. To, now I don't have to worry about it. Just like you don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to worry about it. God, God has more than one way to fix your problems, doesn't he? Yeah. He can take the whole problem away, whether you yeah. want it yeah. taken away or not. Yeah. <laughs> All right, verse 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Blessed be God who daily loads us with benefits. Have you ever spent time just thinking about the benefits God gives you daily? Daily. You know, for many of us, it might be just the fact that we put our feet on the floor is the first benefit that we have. We can, put, we can get up and sit up. We can put our feet on the floor. We can get up. We, have, we have food in a refrigerator or, or, pan, or in the pantries. You know, you know we, don't, we look at that as being so normal for us, but you know that in much of the world, there is not food in their house when they get up out of that, off the mat, if they're lucky enough to have a mat to get up off of. They don't have food in a refrigerator to go get breakfast, and, we, and we're wondering, do I want to eat breakfast today or not? You know, do I want to have brunch or not? Do I want to have lunch or not? You know, and, and we think we're poor for the most part, you know, but there's food in our house. There's, there's clean water in our house. We can get a shower in the morning or choose not to take a shower in the morning. It's our choice. Uh, you know, and God has loaded us with benefits. And I can tell you one thing. You go to these places where you meet Christians who are living without what we consider the normal necessities of life. They still believe that God is loading them with benefits because they can wake up and they're alive and God's mm -hmm. there. And he's going to provide for their needs. And they know that he's going to provide for his need, their needs. And yet, 
sometimes you know sometimes in America we have this attitude of you know well you know I don't have it I don't have what everybody else has so I oh woe is me poor me and God's going uh -uh. Well, I I thank him every morning because I know from experience thank you God for having for me having two feet that I can walk on because when I broke my ankle I had to for five weeks you know I could I said thank you for having I feet to walk on, hands mm -hmm. to use, and eyes to see, because yep. you take this for granted, and I did for a while, but I I believe it so much now, because I thank them so much every day for what I have. Yeah, I mean, if we start looking at everything we don't have, we'll be miserable, depressed people. Yeah. You know, plain and simple, I don't care how rich you are, you know, even the richest person, if they want to look at the stuff they don't have, and believe me, there's a lot of stuff they don't have, they will end up being depressed and upset that they don't have. They got more than anybody else in the world, but they're still going to look, if they're looking at what I don't have, they're going to be depressed. And God says, blessed be the God who daily loads us with benefits. Whatever those are, he's loaded us with benefits. For most of us, we have vehicles to get around. We have, you know, food in our, in our houses. We have a house. <laughs> do you realize how many people in this world do not have a house? One don't right now. Huh? Yeah. One well, right now. Yeah. <laughs> but but you realize how many people don't in this world? If they have a box that they can call right. their house, they're happy. You know. Uh, People in places of this world that live in the junkyards where they've taken junk to build themselves some kind of, sh of shelter and they get their food from the junkyard. And yet we look at it and say, oh God, I just don't have, you know, God, I didn't have my favorite cereal this morning and I, or I didn't have milk for my favorite cereal this morning. I don't have bread. And I don't have bread, I don't have eggs, whatever it is, but we have other choices. We have other choices to choose from. If you can, this I learned in Phoenix when we lived down there. If you can get your body warm before the sun goes down, it's 98.6 temperature. And if, so if you can get a garbage bag and pull it up around you or over you, depending on the rain, and a box, you can pretty well, you won't stay really warm, but you will stay, you'll be alive in the morning. But this is, this is the thing that we have. We need to be ready to give God praise for whatever we have, whatever it is that we have. Uh, Annie's favorite book, The Hiding Place, where, where uh, Corey. Corey and her sister were praising God for a lice-infested <laughs> barracks because the, pris the prison guards wouldn't come into the barracks because of the lice, allowed them to have Bible studies <laughs> in the barracks. Okay. You know, and we're all looking at like, who could be, who could ever give thanks for that? Well, if you want to look at the positive things that God's providing from it, He's providing a benefit. You know, He provided a benefit to them called lice. Yep. <laughs> you know, and nobody in their right mind would have ever considered lice a benefit, but it gave them the opportunity to have Bible study and not have the guards coming in to, to look for the Bible or to try to stop it. You know, so we want to be careful when we look at this. And this is why in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. All things. All we've got to do is start looking for what is the good in what it is. When we start suffering for Jesus because we are Christians, 
and we end up paying with our very lives or we end up going to jail or we end up going to the re-education camps or whatever it is that is in store for us, we need to say, God, there's good here. Now what that good's gonna be, I don't know, but we look for the good because he still cares for us, he still has benefits for us. You know, up in Oregon where, the, where that guy killed people just because they said they were Christians. You know, they could have lied and said they're not, but now they've got a testimony. They're martyrs. They have a testimony of, of Is that admission. Is that from that recent one? The one, recent one. Oh, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, they, if you said you were oh. a Christian, they yeah. shot you in the head. He oh. said, who's your, who's your God or what, who, what's your relationship to Jesus or are you a Christian? And are you a they, Christian? And if they said yes, he shot them. If they, they said no, they, he let them live. No, so. he, if, if they said they were Christian, he shot them in the head. And if they didn't give an answer or they didn't say Christian, he shot them in the leg. Okay. So, yeah, so I mean, this is, but now there's a whole group of people, another group of people that have the, the, the martyr and Christ's name is going to be lifted up even more. And is that good? It depends on how you look at death. God says in the scripture, precious in the eyes of God is the death of his saints. They get to go home. When we die, we get to go home. You know, how do we look at death? Is it a pleasure? Is it something great? Paul says, I'm looking forward. I would rather be dead, but because I'm here ministering to you, I'd rather be here ministering to you. But I'd much rather be home. And I understand exactly what he's saying. I would much rather be in heaven, but as long as I can teach people and see them grow in Christ, I would rather be here teaching people and letting them grow in Christ. When I'm not teaching people and, and seeing growth in, in, through discipleship, then I want to go home. I don't want to linger around when they're went beyond, what, beyond the ability to teach people and to disciple people and show them how to live before God. And that is true. That's part of teaching is to show people how to follow God. When something goes wrong, we, we apply the scriptures. And this is important for us. This is what you know, Corey and her sister did in the prison camp. They applied God's word and they showed people how to be joyful in what they, in what they did have. And they were able to bring people to Christ. We see through the martyrs that they bring people to Christ. We saw the first martyr, Stephen, saying, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God as he's being stoned. And his testimony was, look at God. I'm, he's ready to accept me. You know, how do we look at these things? How are we looking at our problems? Are we looking at how can, I, how can God be lifted up because of what I'm going through? Your sister, house burnt down. <laughs> Things were falling apart anyway, so, that you know. Yeah. You know if there was insurance, if there was insurance, now she gets all new stuff. If not, then she'll have to find someplace else to live, you know. But, but you know, the church burns down in Dolan Springs, and the, and the great testimony is that they're in the newspaper talking about how God is protecting them and how God's provided this tent for them to meet in and that they had good insurance so that they're able now to, to pay for professionals to come in, rebuild the building, probably have better, better insulation and, and, and better air conditioning and heat than they, than they had from their 30-year-old building, you know, be able to put it all together and say, look what God's done for us. I know that one article they had in there was such a good article and I'm so glad they printed all of it. It was so uplifting and so, I mean, it will draw you to God because mm -hmm. of how... It wasn't the church, it was the people. Right. Does that mean we want God to come burn every no, church no, down? No, we don't, want, we don't want that to happen just so people can praise God and, and no, have no, him lifted no. up. 
But the opportunity is when bad things happen to us to praise God and point people to God because God is still in control. God is still the one directing things. God is still the one giving us the chance to bless him and he's got a blessing in whatever happens. My neighbor, since they burned down, she said, Loretta, somebody had better patrol around her church all the time because somebody's going to burn it down. I said, you know what? If they want to burn it, you can be standing right there and they'll burn it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you can't stop it. And besides the fact that that was to happen, we'd just put up a tent, we'd beat until we yeah. could, and we have our insurance, and we'd build, we'd build. 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 we Yesterday's would hear us, you know, we'd be heard everywhere. Yeah, they didn't like our church bells. They really wouldn't want to hear me preaching. They really wouldn't want to hear me preaching for 40 minutes. So, I could go to a motel, close your windows, and plug your ears. But we look at this and say, God, how do we lift you up? How do we bring you into this situation? And we've seen this over and over, the same situation your, your, you know, your, your sister's in. Houses burned down, the people come in, praise God we weren't there, praise God nobody was hurt. Things can be replaced, but even if it's people that are hurt, if they're saved, they're in heaven, so we praise God that they've gone to heaven. The guy before we did. Yeah, they got there before, before, yeah. before I did. Yeah. Well, we were, if you remember when we showed God's not dead, and, oh, yeah. and it's preaching, you know, the, 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 the atheist is there accepting God, and he goes, he goes, I don't understand things. He goes, don't worry, in a few minutes you'll understand more than I understand about God because you'll be in his presence. Can you imagine getting there quickly before anybody else and being able to get to know God? Yeah, getting brave, to know God. We call the brave souls that have died before us is preparing a place for us. Mm -hmm. So, well, God, Jesus is preparing a place yeah, for us. So. But the whole idea, and this is why we need a biblical worldview toward everything, especially death. Because when we look at a, a, a person who's saved and they die, there should be such great rejoicing. I don't care how old or how young they are. Great rejoicing, they've gone home. They no longer have pain, they no longer have, have sickness, they no longer have, they are seeing God and experiencing him in a way that we want to and, and can't wait to, and they're there already. On their face is such a peace. Oftentimes that is true, and I've heard that from various. My mom and dad, even my dad was just a Christian too. Yeah. Well, when he died, he was, it was so, to see. I've heard that from morticians. They can they, they say that they can tell who is who is gone into the presence of God and who is not gone into the presence of God. And uh, Billy Billy Graham and others, and I believe this is probably true that the just the second before you die, you get to see what you're headed to, and that's why you get the the extreme peace or the extreme terror on your face because your your physical you, for just that split second before you get to see where you're headed. And for those of us going to heaven, it's going to be a great joy. For those who are seeing hell, it's going to be terror. And I mean, it's, there's no proof. The Bible doesn't say that. But it does say that to be absent from the body is to be present from the, with the Lord or to be absent from the Lord. 
uh, if you're not following him. So yes, I believe that you're going to see for just that split second when the when the dimensions come together for just that split second, and all of a sudden, you know exactly what's going on and where you're headed. But it's so neat because um, I know for a fact now, my stepdad says, well, and I go, I get to see my mom, get to see mom. <laughs> so that gave me a good answer. Yep. So it says, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. And I think he's really trying to make a point this God gives us salvation, and then he, above salvation, he gives us all these benefits. But you know, if it was just salvation, what a benefit we have just from salvation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yet God says, oh, by the way, salvation is just the beginning point. <laughs> the salvation is just the starting point for what I've got for you. That's a tease. It is. It's the tease. It's the tease. I didn't get to the second half of the Holy Spirit this morning, so we'll go to verse 14 next week. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is the, the down payment for all that we have. And you think about how precious the Holy Spirit is to us. And he's just the down payment. We couldn't get by without him. He, he, with the peace that passes understanding, the joy, the, the, the answers to prayer, the power to get through things, and he's just the down payment. And a down payment is not the, the, the major part. It's just a, here's just a small taste. You know, I'm going to give you a down payment on this house. The house is worth $150,000. i am going to give you, you know, 15000 as down payment for the house. And it says, okay, you know, you're happy to have your down payment. And the Holy Spirit is the down payment of everything God's got for us in heaven. Can you think about the preciousness of that? He's, he's just the smallest taste of everything. And yet we look at it and say, wow, how much power, how much greatness this is. He guides me in all that I do. He teaches me in all that I say. He, he walks me in all that I do. He gives me peace. He gives me joy. He gives me understanding. He illuminates my path. And he's the down payment of all that's coming. So we look at this and he says, you know, God gives us daily blessings and, the, and even the God of our salvation. Verse 20, he that is our God is the God of salvation and unto God belongs the issues of death. Okay. Yeah, my Bible says from death. From death. When he said escape right. from death. Mm -hmm. Issues, that's what it's talking the about. The, outgo the outgoings, the getting away from. Mm -hmm. Uh so yeah, yours is more, in, more modern English, the escape, the, the away from. He says, he's our God, he that is our God is our God of salvation, and unto God belongs the issues of, from death. You know, how to get away from death. You know, we earn death by, by, by Adam and Eve's sin. We earn death by our own sin, which we will sin because we are sinners. And we've got to really understand that. That's something we've really got to understand because the world is, keeps trying to say that we're really good people and we're taught to be bad. The world keeps that hammering in their place. And the way that we teach, you know, you know, and the way they justify that, they'll say, because we put rules on kids, we're teaching them to be bad. Because if we didn't put a rule on them, they wouldn't have anything to, to violate. They could just burn our houses down. Yeah, they, they would just be worse. They would just be worse. But then again, there's no rules, so they still wouldn't be bad because there were no rules. Uh, so they say that, they're, that we're basically good, and God says, no, we are bad. We do bad things not because somebody has taught us to do bad, but because we are sinners. 
And because we are sinners, we will sin. And this is why I keep, keep bringing this up. I am never surprised when people do bad things because they are sinners, period. Doesn't matter whether they're a Christian, non-Christian, it does not surprise me when somebody does something bad. They say something that's harsh, they do something harsh, they, they, they sin in some way. Why? Because they're a sinner. I'm more amazed when people do good things because that shows that they're being controlled by God or they're trying to get something from you, which I kind of discount that one because that's still to me a sin because they're trying to get something. But God is in control of life and death. He controls it. And he knows what's going to happen. He's our salvation to life, but he also controls death. He knows exactly when each one of us are going to die. It's not going to surprise him when we die. And we can't die before he has allowed us to die. Because you look at Job and he says, okay, Joe, uh, Satan, you can touch Job, but you cannot take his life. You can make him as sin sick as you want. You can take everything away from him. You can make him wish he was dead, but you're not taking his life because I'm not done with him. And the greatest thing to be is where God wants you to be because until God's done with you, you're going to be alive. And you won't lose your life until he says, I'm done. I guess he wants me to stay in court. I've been here over 30-some years. So I guess once that's all right. Yeah, well, that's what, whatever God yeah, wants us to do. God's got a plan. God's got a plan for all of us. And you know, I, I look at what's going on here with, with chloride and how we're reaching the world through the website and we're, you know, we've got, you know, if you saw this morning on the, on, so the, cool. on, the, on the PowerPoint, 894 sermons were clicked into this last month. Wow. That is, that's, that was, you know how In cool 30 days. In 30 days, 894 messages oh, clicked into. Oh, I No, not thousands. Sure. It's still. But still, that's a lot of people. You know, we don't speak. I don't get to speak to the, that many people in the flesh here in this church. You know, and we have pretty good turnouts. You know, at all the different Bible studies. You know, but yeah, still, I can't figure out in a month how how we. You know, that I talk to a hundred people in this building, so. We're, taught, we're reaching a lot of people. Who they are, I have no idea. We have no idea. When we stand before God, he's going to say, well done for giving this service out there, for allowing this to be done and, and allowing this money to go to this thing. And these many people reached. And it could be more than one person watching that. It could very much be family. more than one, one person listening yeah. to it. it you know, but you figure... That's a lot of people being reached by this little church in the middle of nowhere that runs 25 people. Where we run 25 people on a Sunday morning, and that many or more are listening to each sermon on the internet. It's an amazing thought of what God is doing out there. And our little church is just reaching out to the world and being blessed and blessing people. And when we get to heaven, we'll find out how many people got saved. Because if you think about most of the time that I speak, the gospel message is somewhere given. And almost every time I speak, the gospel message is given. How many people are getting saved because of the gospel being going out to these people? 
How many people are growing in their, their ability to present the gospel themselves? You know, it's going to be amazing to go stand before God and have him say, look at all that you've done. <laughs> look at all the people that you've touched. And if you think, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the song, Thank You, where the, where the guys come up to the, the pastor and say, thank you for what he's done. But can you imagine you're walking down the streets of heaven and have somebody come up and say, thank you, you gave money to go, that gave this website that I listened to and I got saved because of it. And it's because of what you did, your help on keeping it alive. Yeah. I think it's a special thing. A church in the middle that nobody knows where we're at. Most people in Arizona don't know where we're at. Never even heard of it. You know, there are people in Kingman that don't know where chloride's at. Sometimes you know, the Google map doesn't know where chloride's at. And we're <laughs> being able to minister to the whole world. <laughs> you know, we're able to minister to the whole world, and nobody knows where we're at. So... But I'd say all this not to get proud and, you know, get us all proud and, 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 and big-headed, but because God is using us. I think we're all sitting proud, because that is cool. It so is a great open. thing. It's a great ministry that we have, because I know of other pastors who've got their websites that are never touched. You know, they put their, web, they put their messages up there, and, and, they, and they feel happy if they get three or four, you know, three or four hundred hits. And they've got churches of three and four hundred, so it could be their own, it could be their own people listening to them. Mm. You know, and they're happy just to have that little, that little flow. And, you know, it amazes me because how are people finding our website? You know, because it's really good. If you put chloride in anything church-related, you're going to find our, find our site at the very top of the search. I mean, you put Golden Valley in there and church-related, we're up within the first 20 hits. But how are people all around the world finding us? I don't know. Lynn, suggest, Lynn suggested it might be Sharon passing out these bulletins that are, you know, to all the people around the world. You know, and you know what? It could very well be because she's passing these out to who knows who, where they live. And it's got the little... If you want my shop up, you got to come to church. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that the only place it's happening? No. I mean, somehow God has made it so people are finding our church. And I don't know how they're finding it. I don't know how they're finding these messages. But you know, the one thing I do know, people have bookmarked the sermons page because it has over 1,400 hits. The homepage has 500 hits, which is quite a good, quite a good number for our, for our little, little. But people have done just what I have done to the pastors that I listen to. Here's where, here's where they put their, their sermons. I bookmark that and I go, to, I go straight to the, their sermons. But I don't care about their homepages and all the activities of the church. I want to hear the, the teaching. And on, on, my, on the computer here at the church and on my laptop, I've got nine or ten pastors that I have their sermons page bookmarked. And, you know, one of these days I hope I start getting some emails from it, just out of curiosity, where are these people, why are they listening, what's going on, and be able to say, praise God, and give the report to you all. I think you might say, what kind of a crazy person? That might be, maybe you're listening to Ty, if you hear this crazy pastor speaking. Or I think it'd be cool when they say, I thank you, I got saved from you. That's what I want to, that's really what I want to hear. I want to hear I've grown so much in the last year or I got saved or I'm, you know, I'm headed to heaven because of it. That's what I'd really like to hear. Uh, but who knows? Maybe they are just listening to hear this crazy guy that believes in the Bible. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they're listening to it. From somewhere they don't know, yeah. So, but God has got something out there for each one of us. And you know, 
one of the greatest things that we have is we never know the people that we're touching their life and how we're touching their life. And I can guarantee we don't know. We don't know on that. And because I've had people, you know, over 44 years, I've had people come up because I've done teaching. You know, every church I've been in, people know me. Whether I know them or not doesn't matter because I'm a teacher and they know my name. But every once in a while, somebody goes, come up and say, you really blessed me because of this or that. It may not even have something to do with what I'm teaching. It's just because I've lived Christ in front of them. And when we live Christ in front of people, people notice. When we love people, people notice. When bad things happen, like the house burning down, and we don't react and we don't go crazy, people look at it and say, you know, their first initial thought is that person's absolutely nuts, but then they go, they've got something that I want. And they look at our lives. We live Christ before them, and people will look at our lives and say, I want, I want that peace they have. I want whatever it is. I want the ability to be able to walk with victory in my life like they do. I think and, what, yeah. yeah. What is so cool is that I, I don't preach and stuff, but I, whenever something happens to me or something around me, like even just lately my dog, when I tell them and they said, how's your dog doing? I said, well, I've been praying and I really believe and I've tried to touch the medicine. And I said, all I do is that I ask people just to pray for me. And like before, I would never really mm -hmm. say that, you know, I said, so I believe in prayer. So, you know. And as I said, the greatest thing you can do to be an example is talk to these lost people like they're saved and give, and give God the glory and they look at you like you're nuts, but that's okay. Because we know we are nuts as far as the world's concerned. You know, we have a peace that passes understanding when everything goes crazy and we just say, God, you're in control. And people look at us like, what? You know, but then it's how, neat when you do talk to somebody and then they reply back the same way, which is good because even at the vet, I said, well, you know what? God will know when I need to put down the dog. And she said, yeah, God will know. Yeah. And so that's nice. So then, you know. And you meet all kinds of people who recognize God by doing that as well. Yeah. And, but you're also being a blessing and an encouragement to those who are lost. They'll think you're a nut. They'll think you're crazy because you're not all upset that all your possessions got burned up. You're not upset that somebody just destroyed your car. You're not upset that you got bad news at the doctor or the vet or whatever. And you're just at peace because God is in control. You're willing to walk through the pain and just go through walking on the water. Peter walked on the water of the storm. God is also sitting there saying, are you ready to walk above the trials and tribulations as you walk in me, as you're protected in me through the storms. And I've shared it many times. There's times when I've been knocked over by the littlest thing that hit me because I wasn't, my eyes weren't focused on God and I wasn't centered on God. And then there's times when I kind of look back and I'm going, what is all that wreckage behind me? And I realize when I start thinking about it, oh, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened, but my eyes were focused on God and I walked through the middle of the storm and it didn't bother me until I looked back in hindsight and saw all the wreckage back there and realized, wow, I just went through an awful lot. To me a lot, because even like last week, that was like a basket case when I heard about my dog. Then later on, I think like, stupid me, I just started praying and it was like, what a relief off my shoulder. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, I'm not forgetting, but just a lot of things happened and I just stopped and praying. It just like get in God's hands, you know. Otherwise, people would never, if they don't know God, they have this bad, always happening. But if you pray, it's gone. I yeah. mean, it will, he will help you. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
is who, where are our eyes focused on? Where are our eyes focused on? Are we focused on trying to get through it ourselves? I can tell you, I can never get through I mean, I'm a good organizer, but I still end up not getting through troubles if, if I'm the one thinking I'm doing it all. But when I rely on God, things go smooth. You know, we went down, Lynn and I, two and a half years ago, two years ago, whatever it was, we went down to, to Phoenix and the car broke down. And I was like, how are we going to get home now? You know, and it's like, for a while there, I'm going nuts and, you know, trying to figure all this out and going, the heck with this. We're at a conference. I'm just going to let it go and God, you provide. And, and God provided everything to get the car back. It didn't cost us anything to get it back. And then to have it taken to my friend's house. I've got to make them some but, but the idea was, as long as I was sitting there trying to figure out how I was going to fix the problem... It was terrible and nothing was happening. And as soon as I said, okay, God, I'm just putting it in your hands. And sometimes that is when God says, well, you need to just call this person. And you call that person and sure, I'll be down there and, and take care and you know, help you out or, or I'll take care of this. And you know, we had a place to go hang out while we, you know, while we waited for the other person to get there. God gave the answers. And once we were at peace and letting God be the one to give the answers, everything just fell into place. When it was me sitting there trying to figure out what, what are we going to do, you know, I'm spinning my wheels thinking, God, this is a terrible thing, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't want to be stuck in, in uh, Phoenix for, for a day or two. I don't have the money for this. I don't have, you know, I don't have the time for this. And, you know, and I'm all freaked out and God's saying just, you know, just in the back of my mind, all things work together for good if you'll just shut down, shut up, sit down and listen and, you know, and finally, you know, and I'm going, God, I don't know how this is going to be for good. I know you promised it's going to be for good, but I don't know how it's going to be. And, and then everything just calmed down. Well, see, my in-laws, you know, are witnesses. So they don't call me or anything. Their son calls me every Sunday. Oh. Mm -hmm. They'll call me once while, have you heard from Ken? <laughs> and I said, oh yeah, he's called me. Then I, I think I shouldn't say what I did. You might be getting him in trouble. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you. Lord, we thank you that you are the one that controls all things, that you are the one that, that has the master plan. If we will just be silent and be quiet, that we will just sit back and allow you to do what you want to do. Help us to just have that faith and that confidence, that peace, and that you are in control and leading. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.